Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. All right, welcome to this Wednesday episode or edition of Facebook Live. Thanks for tuning in, spending a few minutes with me here talking about uh, some of the issues important to today and, of course, the issues that we'll be covering on my radio program today on KSL News Radio. On the air, as you know, from 1 o'clock until 3 o'clock, there was an announcement yesterday made by Speaker Nancy Pelosi. As you know, she leads the House of Representatives, majority control uh, there by the Democrats. And over the past number of weeks, as you and I have endured this coronavirus pandemic, there have been a number of efforts by the government to infuse money uh, into the economy, in some cases directly into your bank account, in other instances in the forms of loans available to, forgivable loans available to uh, businesses small businesses in particular, at least that was the intention. And well, we are looking at now a fourth stimulus package of sorts. The last one, some $2.2 trillion plus a little bit of a supplemental deal to help with that PPP program. And now what is being presented, again, by Speaker Pelosi and her cohort in the House of Representatives is a new plan they are calling the HEROES Act. The HEROES Act. I got a, a document just yesterday from uh, the Democrats in the House where they go through and they highlight all of the elements of this bill that they uh, would like the media to know. They, they, they hand out these types of documents to hopefully uh, you know, control the narrative and such like that. And I want to walk through a few of them and then I want to share with you some of the reactions by folks like uh, Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy. He's got some strong words for this, uh, but let's find out first what exactly is the HEROES Act. I'll, I'll tell you first and foremost, the, the estimates aren't precise, but uh, the smart folks who have analyzed this thus far are claiming that the price tag is going to be north of $3 trillion. So imagine another $3 trillion added to the deficit, another $3 trillion, uh, which you and I and our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren may need to be paying uh, for years and years to come. Anyway, with that said, let's walk through some of these details here of the HEROES Act. Uh, it provides, uh, also, can I point out real quickly too, this piece of legislation, again, the HEROES Act, as it's been titled by the Democrats in the House, is 1,800 pages long. And the estimation is, that, or at least the prediction is that Speaker Pelosi would like the House to vote on this measure this coming Friday. That's two days from now, 
Uh, and I don't know that I ever in my life have been able to cover 1,800 pages of it. I'm not sure if I've read 1,800 pages uh, of anything in my life. Are there books that are 1,800 pages? How long is the Bible? I don't know. Uh, imagine in two days, each of these lawmakers who represent you and me in the United States House of Representatives uh, absorbing 1,800 pages of information and then effectively and authoritatively and knowingly voting on it uh, come Friday. It's a tall order. Now, I, I understand that each of these members have staff to shoulder that burden, to divvy it up a bit, and you, know, you assign a section to each staffer. That staffer then becomes an expert and gives advice. Anyway, I, I understand that, that it's not as cut and dry as expecting each of these members to read 1,800 pages, but it's still a tall order nonetheless. Now, uh, I've put it off long enough. Let's go through the details. The act claims to provide nearly $1 trillion to state, local, territorial, and tribal governments who desperately need funds to pay vital workers like first responders, health workers, and teachers. Uh, That is true, I believe. There are those who fit into these categories who need added support, who need added help, in particular, uh, the, the folks in tribal areas and territorial areas. The territories, of course, being like uh, the Northern Marianas, uh, Puerto Rico, uh, the, the insular areas of the United States, the, the, the territories owned by the United States, governed by the United States, but which are not themselves states. I, I do believe that they are deserving of our help. Uh, as well as uh, these tribal governments. We've heard some sad tales from the Navajo Nation, and I think it is our duty to step in there and help uh, where we can. Now, I do understand and agree that the Navajo Nation is a sovereign nation, and so that our uh, help should come only in the form of uh, responding to requests, which are happening now, in particular in the field of testing. We've heard that from Dr. Angela Dunn here in the state of Utah, elsewhere. But anyway, that's the first bit, a trillion dollars for state, local, territorial, and tribal governments. Next, uh, a few pennies for essential workers. It establishes a $200 billion heroes fund, the Democrats are calling this, to ensure that essential workers who have risked their lives during the pandemic receive hazard pay. The the details of how that are worked out are buried in the 1,800 pages. We'll flesh that out uh, on today's program, try to understand it a little bit. Uh, Next up, it provides $75 billion for coronavirus testing, contact tracing, and isolation measures. Isolation measures, uh, another area where it's not exactly certain uh, what the Democrats mean here in this HEROES Act that they are proposing, but they would like to put uh, their $75 billion into uh, isolation measures. And it also aims to ensure every American can access free coronavirus treatment and supports the hospitals and providers of such. So uh, the testing is important. The contact tracing is important and the isolation measures are important. Uh, A quick note on contact tracing. Uh, Keep an eye on this Healthy Together app. You hear uh, the state representatives, in particular Dr. Dunn and the governor and others who take to the microphone from time to time here in the state of Utah as part of the coronavirus task force. They talk about and advertise and promote this Healthy Together app. Thus far, uh, 40,000 individuals, Utahns, have downloaded the app. The app, in terms of functionality, 
uh, asks you a series of questions about any symptoms you may be experiencing, and depending on your answers, will then recommend whether or not you should seek testing. It helps with uh, steering you in the right direction of where to receive a test. But it was also, when it was introduced, uh, announced that it would aid in contact tracing, that it would help uh, with the location functionality uh, of your, your cell phone. It would help in the, the, the tracing of your movements should you decide to enable that type uh, of tracking. And we have learned thus far that uh, they, they are not yet, they, the, the coronavirus task force, the state health department, all those involved in any contact tracing efforts, uh, they have not yet taken advantage of that app, that app which cost a few pennies, uh, it cost a few taxpayer pennies. So keep an eye on that. Uh, that'll be, in, in my estimation, a storyline which will develop later on. Right now, it's a little early to know if uh, it, was a, it was a good investment or not, but uh, I'll I can assure you that, uh, at least on my program, Live Mike, we are keeping a good uh, eye on that, and we'll follow up uh, as we get more details. Let me take a break from walking through uh, some of these Heroes Act details. There, there is much more, so bear with me. Uh, we're going to get back to some of these details, including uh, the $1,200 proposed uh, by the Democrats for you. You remember uh, a few weeks ago, we each found a little bit of extra money in our bank accounts, and that was... Uh, one of these stimulus payments. Well, the Democrats would like to see another round of those payments, another $1,200 plus uh, a few pennies for each of your children, up to $6,000 per household. We'll get to those details in a second. Let me uh, take a moment and look at some uh, of these. Uh, Jackie here says that Nancy needs to retire. Uh, Mark, great. Look at this. We need to pass this and read it later. You remember Christmas from a few years ago? Uh, I think Obamacare made its way through the legislative process in just this way. We need to pass this and read it later. Uh, fascinating. Uh, here on that same point, rushing an 1,800-page act in less than two days, uh, that is typical. Uh, Glenna here, why isn't Nancy speaking? Uh, we did hear from Speaker Pelosi just yesterday as she introduced us. She spoke uh, relatively vaguely on the details of this deal, and it's not until this document here I'm sharing with you now uh, that we have you know, come to learn some of the features of uh, this legislation. Um, so that's that. And Megan says, biased much? Uh, now, listen, am I biased? I don't know if I'm biased, but I do have uh, opinions and views, and they are, you know, based on my own ideals and attitudes. And so I, uh, in this instance, uh, am not going to find myself in, in agreement with uh, the Democrats, in particular, uh, the way this is being rolled out. 1,800 pages in two days, uh, $3 trillion plus dollars. Uh, we are moving pretty quickly here. And it is, this legislation at least, is fueled by a, a competing ideology. There are two ideologies right now uh, duking it out in Washington. One is to put money directly into the pockets uh, of, of you and me, directly. You got that? So just like a few weeks ago, when we click, 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 click on the phone, looked at the bank account information and saw that, oh my gosh, look at this extra money here. Thank you very much, IRS. I'll go, uh, you know, patronize local business or get some takeout food with this. Great. Um, that is being handed a fish. On the other hand, there is a, another competing ideology, which is, have we gotten to a point where we can commence reopening uh, business? 
can we now uh, take a step back towards the scenario which allowed us to uh, maintain our own prosperity, contribute to it, and get back to the business of taking care of ourselves? Now, you got to balance that with science. you got to balance that with prudence. Uh, but that's what's happening right now. And if I'm honest, and maybe I'll sound uh, biased here to Megan, uh, that is the attitude of the Republicans right now. How do we safely take steps back towards reopening business, allowing students to get back in the business of learning and teachers to get back in the business of teaching? In fact, uh, that was the reason for the hearing you and I watched together in the Senate just yesterday, where folks like Dr. Fauci and Dr. Redfield and others in the field of health, those in leadership positions who are uh, doing what they can to guide this nation in terms of policy back towards a state of normalcy, uh, they would like to do all they can, or at least offer up all the relevant information uh, which will aid us in reopening for business, getting Americans back to work and getting students back in the classroom and teachers back at the head of those classrooms. That's what's happening right now on that front. Uh, did we cover no- enough comments here? <laughs> Here's a good question. Uh, Jan asked, how long has Nancy actually been working on this? Uh, I-, I have no idea. Uh, I can tell you that legislation like this uh, probably has been a few weeks in the making, and many of the uh, features contained with this, uh, within this have likely been uh, you know, thoughts that may even predate the coronavirus. For example, uh, the, the Democrats here in this HEROES Act, uh, they claim to address food security by increasing by 15% the maximum SNAP benefits and providing even additional funding uh, for some of the nutrition programs that are being funded by uh, taxpayer dollars, uh, your money and my money. Uh, let's see what else here. Uh, there are, is some more money for payroll protection. Uh, let's see what it says. This is, again, coming directly from the document circulated by Democrats just yesterday as they rolled out this HEROES Act. 1,800 pages likely to be voted on this Friday, uh, rolled out just yesterday. Uh, This one reads, protect payrolls, that the HEROES Act enhances the new employee retention tax credit that encourages employers to keep employees on payroll, allowing 60 million Americans to remain connected to their paychecks and benefits. Okay, that's all well and good, except let me jump down a few bullet points and share with you uh, this other element that they would like included in this, you know, three plus trillion dollar plan. It would extend the unemployment benefits. It would extend the weekly $600 federal unemployment payment through next January, providing what they claim to be a vital safety net for the record number of Americans who are unemployed. And so we have uh, two competing plans right here within the same piece of Democrat legislation. We have this $600 weekly incentive, which we have observed to be very enticing to individuals to stay out of the workplace. And in some cases, some of those furloughed workers or some of those folks who have been laid off, when their job has been offered to them again, when their employer has said, hey, listen, uh, we've been able to work things out in such a way that you can come back to the workplace. For example, uh, remember that story I shared with you a few weeks ago about the salon owner in Washington State? Uh, She had two salons, about 35 employees, she organized, she had to lay them all off, uh, and then 
she was able to secure one of these paycheck protection program loans. And she got all of her employees back on the phone and said, listen, team, I've got some incredible news. I've been able uh, to do a little bit of footwork. I've been able to arrange a few things such that I am able to tell you all right now that you can come back to work. Thank you. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for enduring this. Welcome back to work. And instead, instead of applause and cheers and excitement, she was met with anger, hostility, and claims of sabotage. Why? Well, because those 35 laid off employees, for the most part, they were collecting weekly more money via these programs here, by these taxpayer-funded programs, unemployment insurance combined with the added $600 a week of federal money, they were making more money under that circumstance than they were when employed uh, by the salon owner. And to extend this, to extend the $600 added payments, through next January will only prolong that reality and it will only prolong that temptation for certain workers who are better off leaning on the government than they were back in their own workplace. You're removing the incentive to get back to work. People, uh, even Mitt Romney has admitted that reality. And while his plans uh, you know, I may not agree exactly with his plans. I am heartened to know that he recognizes that there is this incentive to remain outside the workplace. If you're only going to be paid more by the government than you would be by your regular employer, why the heck are you going to go back to that regular employer? To do so, I think, is a fundamental betrayal of uh, our attitude of self-reliance. I also think that it's akin to fraud. You've heard numerous times on these airwaves and on KSL News Radio, on my program and other programs, we've heard from those who maintain the unemployment benefits here in the state of Utah. If you are laid off or furloughed and you commence collecting unemployment benefits, if you commence collecting the $600 extra payment from the federal government and you are offered your job back, if you are offered your job back and you decline it, that means you've quit. And if you are a quitter, if you quit your job, you are disqualified from the benefits available via the Unemployment Insurance Protection Program. And if you're disqualified from that, you're disqualified from the $600. Now, it is dependent on your employer to report that exchange to the unemployment office. Many are not doing that, and I understand why. You know, you don't want to burn the folks because someday, uh, you know, these benefits may run out and you're going to need to knock on their door and say, hey, are you ready to come back to work now? It's an unfortunate thing, and I, I, I just, I hope, I hope that the attitude does not become pervasive and it doesn't lead to some, uh, you know, even greater reliance on the federal government. You've noticed that I haven't used the word socialism in this conversation or in any of my arguments here. Because I don't think we're to that point. I don't think that that is the clear and present danger knocking on our door. But I think that these types of scenarios and these types of temptations made available by the federal government, made available by the HEROES Act here, could lead us to a scary place. And I don't want to get there. 
So let's do what we can to maybe uh, rein it back. Now, uh, let's look at the reaction on the other side of that. Uh, there were a few comments here that said, listen, this is, yeah, here we go. Hal points out very accurately, the Senate will kill this on arrival. Uh, you're absolutely right, Hal. You are 100% right. And uh, you'd be right to make that same comment about the piece of legislation we spoke on the other day, uh, the one being circulated by uh, former presidential candidate Kamala Harris, as well as Bernie Sanders, the one that proposes some $2,000 monthly to all qualifying Americans 16 years or older. No chance, not going to happen. So you ask yourself, why? Why do those two senators put forth a piece of legislation like that? Why are there people like Speaker Pelosi uh, introducing legislation like the HEROES Act? There are a number of answers. Uh, one of them may be that it's a negotiation tactic, that they are uh, laying down the marker and that somewhere just shy of that is what they'd be willing to accept. Maybe we'll see how, how that plays out. But here, uh, why don't you hear directly from uh, Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy. He's the leader of uh, the Republicans in the House of Representatives. I'm going to read to you a tweet that he released just yesterday afternoon, uh, moments after this HEROES Act was unveiled by Speaker Pelosi. He says... House Democrats just released an 1,800-page liberal wish list that was crafted behind closed doors and includes bailouts for blue states and giveaways for billionaires. This spectacle has no chance of becoming law. What a waste of taxpayer time. This spectacle has no chance of becoming law. What a waste of taxpayer time. Uh, That's the position held by GOP leader Kevin McCarthy in the House of Representatives. Uh, Hal here points out there is no chance that this gets through the Senate. That is, uh, I believe, exactly accurate. Uh, We'll see how things play out this week in the House. It is controlled by Democrats, and so we'll have a singular focus on the House this week. Uh, They may be getting back together on Friday, maybe to cast a vote. Maybe there'll be some sort of proxy vote option put in place. Uh, Who knows? It is very uncertain. Maybe this even gets pushed off until next week. Uh, maybe it gets pushed off into uh, Neverland. Who knows? Uh, We're going to continue to follow it. Let me, before I say goodbye to you, though, talk about uh, another few uh, issues coming up on today's program. Zion National Park, in part, will be reopening uh, very soon. There'll be a number of restrictions, uh, but there will be the opportunity for you to enjoy uh, some of the attractive features that this park has to offer. It's set to reopen today. Uh, There will be daytime visits only. There will be no shuttle service, and the visitor center will be closed. Uh, We'll be on my radio program today from uh, 1 o'clock to 3 o'clock, live mic, KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM, let's see. I'll I'll put the details there below. That's how you can listen to today's program. We will be speaking. Let me double-check the time. Uh, We will, uh, at about 1.50, we'll be speaking to... Uh, Jeff Bradybaugh, who is the superintendent of Zion National Park. And I ask uh, Superintendent Bradybaugh about what else will be the experience for visitors today. Uh, Scenic Drive, you're familiar with that at Zion National Park. The last entry for Scenic Drive is 6 p.m. So take note of that. If you're going down there trying to catch the sunset, uh, you got to be sure you're there uh, at 6 p.m. That's the last entry for Scenic Drive. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, park officials have announced that the Zion Lodge will resume some services beginning May 21st. That's uh, about a week from now. 
visitors, if you're heading down there this weekend uh, or at any time starting today and going forward, visitors should park only in designated spots. And once those spots are full, vehicle access will be closed until space becomes available. available. So the highest of likelihoods is lines are going to be long. Uh, a lot of waiting will happen. We'll get the precise details from the superintendent later on. But uh, uh, but just know that if you are going to uh, respond to this news by heading to Zion National Park, uh, there might be a little bit of waiting. Uh, and it's going to be a first come, first serve type of deal. Uh, so I'll hold off on, on some of these details. We're going to talk about them on the program today. I'll, I'll share with you the words of the superintendent of the park. Looking forward to that conversation. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm running out of time on this Facebook Live uh, but how about this story? Elon Musk. Elon Musk is just doing crazy things. Uh, he has uh, decided to restart production in one of his plants uh, directly in contrast, going directly against Alameda County rules. It's crazy. This is uh, something I wanted to talk about on my program just the other day. Uh, but due to the president's press conference, I wasn't able Elon Musk tweeted the following just after my program the other day. He said, Tesla is restarting production today against Alameda County rules. This was Monday. He sent this tweet. I will be on the line with everyone else. If anyone is arrested, I ask that it only be me. Now, here's the question. Is he a hero Is he, or is he a villain? Is he acting out of some you know, noble leadership quality? where he will be rallying the other folks who work on that production line, or is he endangering their safety? Are the folks advising the leaders of Alameda County, are they you know, actually well-informed people who have good precautionary measures in place? Have they put rules in place to ensure appropriate social distancing based on the specific needs and circumstance of that county? And it's Elon Musk and all of his, you know, eccentric oddity, you know, new age leadership. And I don't know, odd guy responding oddly to this circumstance, boldly, certainly. Uh, but is that boldness, the, the, does the behavior which that leads him to uh, engage in. Does that make him a hero or a villain? I want to have that debate on the, the program today. I'll ask for your text messages and your phone calls. Maybe we'll even open up some live phone lines. Uh, I'd love to, to hear what you think. And, I, and I'll start by uh, begging your comments here. Uh, is Elon Musk right now, uh, both in his decision to restart production in his plants in Alameda County, as well as his behavior elsewhere. Is he a hero or a villain? Is he someone uh, we should rally behind and support and cheer on and at least egg on? Or is he someone who is demonstrating dangerous, foolish, and misguided uh, behavior? Let's start with comments here on Facebook and on my program today between one o'clock and three o'clock on KSL News Radio. Uh, you and I together uh, can talk about Mr. Musk and his Tesla company, and how he is deciding to do business right now. 1 to 3, KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM, 1160 AM. We've got an app as well. You can download that on your iPhone or your Android. And, of course, you can stream us at any time at kslnewsradio.com. Thanks for hanging out with me. I'll be back here tomorrow at 10 o'clock. We'll spend about a half hour together talking about what's upcoming on the show. Uh, we can have a little bit of debate. Uh, we'll go through the comments as we've done today. Uh, a little uh, peek at that. 
Uh, Neil Anderson, a friend of mine, says this uh, about Elon Musk. Either way, we'll all learn from his actions. Uh, you're exactly right. Uh, when you have odd behavior and you apply it to a situation like is the one we are enduring right now, some of those aberrations give way to lessons learned. If he restarts the, the company, if he gets all those bodies back on the production line and there are zero consequences, maybe we have an opportunity to reevaluate this social distancing. Maybe I won't have to continue broadcasting from the guest bedroom uh, where the cat eats in the corner. <laughs> right now, little Rachel, hold on a second, I'll show you. Come here, cat. This little cat here, Rachel. <laughs> Maybe I won't have to share a workplace uh, with my little pet here, Rachel. Uh, it's been wonderful hanging out with her, uh, but maybe some of this behavior out of Elon Musk will teach us some lessons. Neil, thanks for that comment. Uh, we'll get to the rest of them on the program today, 1 o'clock, KSL News Radio. I'll see you there. That's the end of my Facebook Live. We'll see you tomorrow.